Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our minions, this is your hellish, extended, very hot, ad-free version of the show. The second, in fact, of our two CES specials. On the last episode, we cavorted with angels in CES heaven, but we've had our wings removed and we've plummeted into the depths of hell, ready to explore the very worst, or rather at least the easiest things to pick apart of (laughs) the Consumer Electronics Show's offerings this year. Joining us later, you may recognise her from laughs such as this one (laughs) or maybe this one (laughs) sorry i had to really stop myself from giggling when you talked about the company making pcs out of soybean paste but you'll find out her name when she says words later in the program that's enough hyperbole anyway i think Uh, basically we're going to talk about the weird and the terrible of the show this year if you haven't listened to episode one ces heaven that's where you'll find our best of the best of the best sir Uh, And thank you to our patrons, of course, supporting us all through our adventures in hell and in heaven. Ian, hello. You're back. Welcome. I suppose technically I never really went away. A little bit like a cold sore. Yeah, that's true. You never really get rid of the virus. Well, first, a reminder of this year's themes uh, from CES, which were, of course, that 8K TVs were here, whether we're ready for them or not, and that folding tablets are the new folding Phones. It was also a year of cars, cars and more cars with everyone from Mercedes to Sony showcasing their visions of our automotive destinies. But I think we should start with TVs, Ian. Mm. And I can't in good conscience put 8K under the subheading of ridiculous or hellish because obviously 8K is going to happen. And the best TVs that we see every year at CES are always about 10 years premature of their mass adoption (laughs) of the same technology. Just look at 4K. Uh, They've been around for years. We still barely have any mainstream broadcasts uh, in 4K. And instead, we're relying on the likes of Netflix and games consoles for most of our 4K content. So instead... Well, also also relevant, there have been a lot of micro-LED... Uh, demos this year at CES, I believe, uh, and that is years away. So I, that backs up exactly what you just said. Well, instead, then I want to pick out uh, a, a particular product and a particular, well, hopefully not a particular trend started by this product, which is Samsung's Zero. And this is a 43-inch TV set designed to mirror your phone, including and in fact specifically vertical YouTube and TikTok videos, according to a CNET write-up. CNET said that this portrait orientated p uh, television is actually the default setting for uh, for the set but Ciro has this integrated motorized mount thing that rotates the screen back and forth between landscape and portrait controlled by a button on the tv's remote or via an app and if you own a samsung galaxy phone you can actually sync it up with the tv so the screen flips in and out of vertical or portrait um sorry vertical or horizontal depending on how you're holding your phone which seems just guaranteed to go wrong and to be rotating halfway Mm. around when actually you're just 
trying to look at your phone in portrait or vice versa. Uh, well, it, you remember what phones are like with this kind of thing. They don't exactly get it right often, do they? No. Very, very well. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they've got a little bit of, a better, but it's it's far from perfect. But the Ciro, Samsung says, will will ship later this year. Pricing was not announced. But my main fear with this is, and we touched upon this very briefly, I think last uh, on the last episode with Andy, is that it encourages people to think that vertical video is okay, which mm. it is not. Let's face it no. for the vast majority of purposes it is not so what but what is your take on this one ian well it's annoying isn't it because i kind of feel like we've lost the argument on this i mean there are so many apps that actively encourage people to shoot vertically and i get it you know it's, it's more convenient to hold your phone that way and to shoot in that way but it's that it's just phones it's not even better on tablets really it's much more convenient i find to hold a tablet in landscape mode uh, and to use it that way so we uh, but now we've clearly lost the the battle because apps like snapchat tiktok instagram i guess twitter all vaguely encourage the use of vertical video and now samsung's basically admitting that that's a problem and is going to make TVs that twist. But again, it's not going to solve the problem because it's only Samsung doing it. Not everyone's going to do it. No one's going to want, most people are not going to want to pay for a fo- uh, for a TV that rotates into portrait mode. Uh, they're going to see it as pointless and annoying and uh, uh, there endeth the argument as far as I'm concerned. Although the TV itself doesn't look that bad, actually, from a design point of view. The TV is well designed and it looks very nice and I'm sure the picture is, is excellent. But it reminds me a little bit of the curved TV TVs that we saw a massive trend of for a while. LG and Samsung, in fact, I remember being at a CES once, both said world's first curved something or other mm. television. And I asked both the PR people at each one and they said, yeah, whatever. Um, That's the thing. Curved TVs never made any sense because you do not sit in one space to watch the TV. If you have a sofa, if I mean, I've, I've sat on your sofa. It's a big sofa. Um, I imagine that you do not precisely sit in the middle of it every time you want to watch TV. I do if I'm listening to music specifically because I want to be in the sweet spot between the two speakers. That's fair enough. But but music listening uh, is often a solo pursuit, right? Um, it's not the sort of thing... I mean, I don't know about you and Kate, but you, know, so you, you might have very different musical tastes and uh, therefore you might fancy a little listen to stereo music on your own, uh, but it might not want to involve your partner in that. Um, TV, on the other hand, is more often, I would say, a, a joint activity, not exclusively. Uh, so uh, the the curved TV thing, if you sat anywhere but in the sweet spot, it just made no sense. It added very little anyway. Uh, my computer monitor is still, I believe, technically curved, although you'd struggle to actually tell, really. But uh, it's a computer monitor. You sit in front of it every time and it's always the same and it makes some sense but it's not an extreme curve by any stretch of the imagination so yes good good parallel there it uh it's a good parallel i just don't want people to accept a vertical orientation it's wrong we would need to rebuild our houses around this you know rooms are not taller than they are wide usually and that's good for televisions because they fit in the same way that some fish will grow to the size of their enclosures such is the case with a television and there was a great line in a a, a simpsons episode uh, many many years ago i think it was homer who said something like 
if you don't have a TV, what does all your furniture point at? And I thought that <laughs> there's a re- there's a great bit of truth in that because so much about our homes are designed around the fact and particularly now that we have very large TVs and we put them on wide walls if we start having to consider how high the walls are going to be then it's just a vision of complete disaster as far as the future is concerned in my opinion some may say that's an exaggeration those people are wrong no but but it, you're you're absolutely right i mean we see wide don't we we don't see as much at the top and the bottom as we do in width and humans are obviously evolved to have good peripheral vision, which means that it, you know, if you're a, if you're a good filmmaker, you're probably making your film where so that stuff is happening at the outside that you're very sort of you're slightly aware of, and that your eye is drawn to what's in the middle because that is it, it fits exactly the the way that humans have evolved to be very aware of things happening on the outside. You're very your eyes are very sensitive to movement on the left and right of your vision. They're not particularly sensitive to detail in that area. Um, and then when you get into the middle, you've got like, you know, much better focus and stuff like that. So it, it, it makes perfect sense. And yes, and it annoys me greatly that this stupid vertical thing has has, you know, been given credibility, if you will, because you don't see as much. And if you were to try and shoot a drama or a sitcom in vertical, it would look ridiculous. You would get one person in at any one time. There would be absolutely no detail in the outside edges. All you would see is floor and ceiling. And it is pointless. I don't understand why it's difficult for people to hold a phone horizontally. It's no more difficult, really, than holding it horizontally. Um, And, you know, you get a much nicer result as a result. Thank you. I'm glad we agree on this. So if you can just sort yourselves out, please, and stop shooting videos vertically (laughs) and stop thinking that a vertical orientated TV is correct, you're going to have to rebuild your house. And frankly, you're going to have to rebuild the fabric of society, which has been built around, at best, four by three aspect ratio TVs, which is still wider than it is tall, a bit like Paul Daniel's head was. Um, (laughs) And but now we're in 16.9 and movies are shot in like you know two to one at the moment netflix seems to have have gone for this two to one aspect ratio so let's just leave it at that please no more vertical televisions thank you It's time to welcome a special guest to the show. It's someone with whom for years at Wired I discussed a delightful array of questionable innovations designed and devised by individuals living on the fringes of polite society. You may remember her from such stories as the company that will bake your dead relative's ashes into vinyl records, or the woman who injected horse blood into herself for art, and knock knock, who's there? A company making feces out of soybean paste for other people to test the power of a toilet's flush with today though she's editor for of tech investigations at nbc news my very good friend olivia solon hey Liv. <laughs> sorry i had to really stop myself from giggling when you talked about the company making feces out of soybean paste i couldn't not invite you uh, for a chat on this episode of the show since we're talking about weird stuff at CES. It's the second of two episodes. The first was all very good things. This is all very weird things. Um, and, and particularly, I saw a tweet from you ahead of uh, this show, in ahead of CES, that is, in which you predicted that we'd see, and I'm quoting here, 
internet-connected tampons that will leak your personal data in new and horrifying ways, the Internet of Sausages, uh, some kind of cycling service, a Peloton for pets, an AI-powered Shiwi, and I like this one even probably the most, shoes as a service. Um, because some of these actually existed. I mean, not, le- uh, not least of which plates and plates of fake meat that inexplicably apparently count as a tech product. So even though you were joking, I think, for the large part with some with some of those predictions, um, it was still something that translated into uh, into reality. So I thought we should bat around uh, one or two of your highlights. Well, I mean, I, t- I was totally joking when I um, when I wrote about the internet connected tampon on Twitter, but then almost immediately people were like um, messaging me saying this this exists. There's a company called MyFlow. I don't actually think it was at CES this year, but I thought it's worth talking about a little bit. But um, it's called MyFlow. Supposedly, it's like a Bluetooth-connected tampon that helps women understand when they need to change uh, said uh, personal sanitary product. Um, And they ended up needing a 12-inch string connecting to a waistband, an app, and then um, some kind of monitor that you also wear on a waistband. And so, you know, as an alternative to just changing the damn thing every few hours, you have to have all these extra accoutrements just so you can then track your flow, I guess. Um, Simple. (laughs) I find what's particularly surprising about that, though, is that you would need a cable. I mean, I I thought the whole idea of something being wireless would be that for uh, an intimate product such as that, (laughs) that the, the, the lack of wires is kind of a big part of the appeal. Yeah, I honestly, I, do, I think it's a troll product. I think it's one of those things that will never see the light of day. But they had the first, I think the first version did not have this long string attachment. And then the second one supposedly did. Um, they claimed that they'd prototyped it and they were trying to make money on GoFundMe or Kickstarter or one of those ones. But um, frankly, I think it was, uh, yeah, I don't think that's ever going to see the light of day, frankly. Well, what definitely did see the light of day was this was was fake meat, and I know that this is something that you've actually written about extensively before now. Um, and I, I think it was impossible. It's Impossible Foods, isn't it? That that had the the fake pork. And I saw a write up from a Verge reporter at CES this year uh, who described the taste of the meat as spongy, and I thought that's just not a word that you want to describe something delicious so what what was your take on on fake meat being at a tech show in this way you know what like i feel like the sort of we've run out of genuine tech innovations at these shows and there's just so many incremental changes or adding you know making something smart unnecessarily or you know i don't know getting face adding facial recognition to something and so they have to like branch out a bit into the broader field of innovation. I guess, you know, in the same way that Wired used to cover tech and then then lab meat. Um, so it's a one of those like PR grabbing moves. I think it's I I think it sounds absolutely revolting what they've come up with. Uh, but I, I don't know. Have you ever had it? I've never eaten any of these. I've, I've eaten like the Impossible Burger, but I haven't had any um, haven't had any of this. I haven't had any of this either. I mean, I'm a brilliant market for something like this because I find food to be a massive inconvenience. Both my wife and I are subscribers to Huel, and we eat Huel very, very regularly. In fact, Kate literally yesterday just had a, a new delivery of, of her Huel. So these kind of fake meats or alternative foods are, are right up my street, but I've not 
been able to try any of these these new ones i just i just wonder where do you draw the line between like quality meat and highly processed food because i always sort of think the more processed something is the less you should be eating it whereas the whole idea with this is that you should be replacing meat actual meat with it i just find it a little bit a little bit hard to contend with well that's the thing there's like the environmental argument and then there's the sort of health argument and i think in terms of sort of how many ingredients do you want in a, in a single item of food you're with the fake meats you're getting like all sorts of weird stuff put in there to make it taste like real meat um and you kind of wonder whether if you don't want to eat real meat you should be like looking at more tasty vegetarian things for example but um i don't know that's the kind of debate that will I'm sure go on for for many years but um yeah I, I personally would rather have just like a well-raised bit of meat and just eat much less frequently but um yeah each to their own so if you were uh if you were asked to pick a trend or an item or a product or a, or an idea that emerged from this year's CES that you would qualify as quote-unquote odd what else <laughs> What what would you pick? What stands out to you? Because Ian and I have been talking so far on the on the program about some of our highlights, but I'm curious just to just to really hear your take. Okay, um, I haven't heard your highlights, so this is going to be interesting. But um, th- there are a couple of things that stood out to me. Um, I mean, as silly more than as being like good trends, but obviously adding facial recognition to everything. I don't know if you saw. I mean, I'm sure you did, but there was this. Um, cat litter tray that used cat facial recognition so that you could tell which cat was pooping and peeing in the litter box um i did and it's it it was like a taiwanese company called lulu pet that made it and um and it had also built-in stool and urine image recognition (laughs) and it was supposed to help you monitor the health of cats and um I, i thought this was absurd and was again mocking this on social media but a bunch of cat owners kind of got back to me and were like, actually, if your cat has gastro or urinary problems, this is incredibly useful. So I, I stand corrected. <laughs> I'm sh- I mean, I need to run that by Kate, really, being a veterinary nurse, because she may very well have strong opinions on that too. So perhaps I'll come yeah. back to that. But I think the the product itself is indicative of where the industry is going anyway, which is we've run out of, you know, products that we use very frequently to make smart so we now turn to the next level which is things yeah. for our pets or or things for our well garden I haven't seen a lot of garden tech this year actually but but pets was definitely a highlight i saw a wearable dog coat that i think was able to det- or said it was able to determine your dog's moods and stress <laughs> levels which struck me as the kind of thing you see on on Dragon's Den or, or Shark Tank in the US uh, that's really included as a kind of... And finally, uh, in the world of bizarre ideas. Yeah. Well, that and that... that I mean, similarly, a thing that really annoyed me was um, Charmin, the Lurol black brand, made a bunch of kind of basically products designed purely to generate um, PR stories, which is fine. I think it's very entrepreneurial of them, but they made this toilet roll delivery robot that's supposedly meant to kind of bring you an emergency toilet roll in your moment of need. 
Um, but you just can't help wondering that if you have the foresight and the funds to buy a toilet roll delivery robot, you probably have time to buy like a 12 pack of loo roll and to put it into your bathroom instead. Well, the thing I find most interesting about that concept is that I don't know about you and I'm certainly not asking, but if I'm <laughs> going in for for, a, uh, for something that may require a uh, toilet roll, I tend to shut and lock the door from the inside. <laughs> yeah. And I, I find it hard to believe that a robot is going to be capable of traversing such an obstacle <laughs> yeah yeah i hadn't even thought about that yes exactly Can you just hear it knocking against the door and like hello sir i have brought you a, a spare <laughs> roll may i come I in please they also made like a smell detector didn't they didn't they at the, oh, in the same they? suite of products yeah so maybe the robot would then be like phew <laughs> oh my goodness but you know what with that i mean as someone who's just had an entire new bathroom installed with that i could see the point if you had something with like a pressure detector in a toilet where it detected that the pressure had been relieved from you sitting on it for say 30 seconds it could do a little atmospheric uh sampling and if it determined the air quality <laughs> to be less than pure it could perhaps spray a deodorant of kinds like i th- i think something like that could be a very useful little product um i still think it's probably much better to just have a spray but whatever yeah i don't know i have like a a, a big problem with air freshener spray anyway i just i think it's better just to like let the natural smells dissipate than like adding synthetic smells on top of the smell unless you're in like a public place and you're embarrassed but in your own but in your own home come on people (laughs) well um was there anything else that stood out that you wanted to mention before i uh, let you get back to your morning over there in san francisco I mean, it was the only one thing, but I'm sure you guys would probably would talk about it, um, is the rotating TV that Samsung made um, that was supposed to allow you to play horizontal, vertical videos. We did talk I mean... about that at the top of the show, but what's your what's your takeaway on that one? I just think it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, yes. come on. If you're going to watch things, if you're shooting and watching things on your phone, it doesn't mean you want to watch them in the same way on your TV. Maybe I'm My... just a Luddite. Well, my concern is that it, it normalizes and desensitizes people to being thinking com- that they, they should be comfortable recording video in portrait orientation. You should not. <laughs> I mean, Nate, you've lost that debate big time with social media these days, but <laughs> fair enough. I just go to a lot of gigs and I think, do you realize how many more band members you would get if you just turned your damn phone around? I know, but you'd still then, they'd be so small if you then wanted to upload that to Snapchat or TikTok. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you actually see anything that was really good? Yeah, I mean, we spent the entirety of the last episode talking about things that we liked with uh, with Andy from CNET. So there were a lot of good things. And I, I particularly liked a lot of the advancements for technology for tablet computers you know right. i really think that this year we saw a lot of products that blurred the line between what is a tablet and what is a laptop whether that's a folding tablet that is classed as a as a as a as a laptop or whether it's cases for a a tablet that turn it basically into a laptop complete with a trackpad that was a trend i personally very much liked but uh, other than that i think it's it, it it's ces like any other ces well, thank you, Liv, for taking the time out of your morning to join us. Is there anything you've been working on outside of the confines of the bizarre and the unusual that you wish uh, people to check out? 
Yeah, uh, probably the latest story that I worked on was about swatting, which I'm sure most of your listeners will know is a form of harassment where um, someone makes a fake 911 or 999 call. Um, it's, it's worse in the US because you call up, you say there's a mass shooting or a hostage situation or a bomb threat at someone's address. And this triggers an armed response from the police um, in the US their SWAT teams. And so um, it can be a very scary and intimidating way to harass someone. And um, a couple of years ago, someone was actually shot and killed by the police after a SWATing call that stemmed from a, a, an argument over call of duty. So I've been looking at this issue and it turns out that some of the police departments in the US, including Seattle, are developing like anti-swatting, anti-God, I'm so American, anti-swatting protocols to try and combat this form of harassment so that they don't just treat it as a hoax or a prank because it can be fatal. And so what they're doing is allowing like gamers, activists, journalists, people of colour, even like tech execs to pre-register their home address or any address that they think is a swatting risk. Um, so that when someone calls in with a 911 or 999 call to that address, police treat it in an entirely different way. I mean, they, obviously they'll respond in case it is a real um, issue, but they will respond with more caution and won't necessarily go in with guns blazing. And I just think it's super interesting. We spoke to a bunch of people who'd been swatted and, and talked about the, the, you know, what that meant for them and how terrifying it can be. Um, but also that there are ways to kind of clamp down on it. And even though it's a very low stakes thing to do for the harasser to do, like you just have to make a phone call, it can have a huge impact on the victim. And it's good to see police actually taking it seriously. Well, for anyone who wants to check that out, and I strongly recommend it, there is a link in the MP3 description. So if you if you pull up the app you're listening to this on on your phone, you should be able to find a link straight to that story and, and read it or, or bookmark it for later. Or if not, obviously, you can go to uktechshow.com, find episode 189 of Text Message, this episode, and you'll find a link to it there. Ian, let's drive things up a little bit, shall we? Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, the cars of CES, I think, need to be taken down a peg or two, a notch or two, or a scotch. You can choose the measurement. Um, and this really comes off the back of one of your rants via text messages uh, to me about Mercedes. You were not very keen on this so-called Avacar. Um, DZine, yeah. I saw, had a good write-up of this and said, Mercedes-Benz revealed its take on a vehicle as a, and this is a quote, a living creature with the Vision AVTR uh, concept, which takes design cues from a film from 10 years ago, Avatar. And the concept car embodies the German car's brand or its vision of what mobility is going to look like in the distant future, blah, blah, blah. But it includes scales and a crab-like movement, Dzine wrote. It has a total, in fact, of 33 so-called bionic flaps that are embedded into the back of the vehicle to emulate uh, the scales of reptiles. And then these scales apparently communicate information uh, to the driver and to the car's surrounding environment via subtle flowing gestures, whatever the hell that means. So, Ian, explain to me, please, what? why does this grind your gears so much? Because it makes no sense at all. Like, what information is it conveying to walking passers-by it doesn't make any sense it's 
what you, no one walking around is going to be paying attention to the cars in that level of detail that they're going to get anything useful like what it's moving yeah we can see that because it's uh moving it just makes no sense and but basically using james cameron for help i mean there could not be a worse person in the entire world apart from perhaps homer simpson from when he did that thing with the car um and this is not dissimilar to that you know you just end up with a complete mess he the avatar is terrible i can't understand why anyone would want to base anything off it at all i don't even know why it exists as a film uh but of course this goes to the and i'm sure i've ranted about this before but car concepts are a disaster they are the obviously the way that they keep people employed um in the design studios at car companies they're like okay yeah sure you're gonna have to design yet another box um from this you know in exactly the same way because Car design is always based on things like aerodynamics, and because that's it's very important these days that we have economic cars that uh, are you know that are not wasting fuel. So therefore, design is mandated by airflow, which helps cars be more efficient just by virtue of how they're designed. So people sitting in these design studios are like, oh, I'm just going to tweak last year's model. I'll put the lights slightly higher, and they'll be a bit more eye-ish or whatever and they're bored they're bored all year and then ces comes around and mercedes is like you know what you have at it do us the most stupid car you can think of we'll build it out of wax or whatever they do it's actually clay usually um and uh turn it into some high-priced co- you know concept that will n- literally never see the light of day or maybe in this case i don't know turn up in a film or something i mean it won't but who knows um and i just i really do not see the point of it i don't understand why ces has been hijacked by these ridiculous concepts it, it just it, it irks me it irks me more than i can efficiently state yes how do you feel about it well i i i'm i have mixed views on this as a, as a in general the, the the mercedes particular model doesn't bother me too much mercedes has had concept cars at, at ces in in the past and at at a car show, if you go to the Frankfurt Auto Show or something, there are tons of concept cars. They're all over the place, so they don't stand out as much. I think they stand out more at CES because it's it's a tech show. And historically, you've had car companies there showing off products that go inside of cars, whether that's been hi-fis and navigation systems or, and what have you. But now we're seeing not only more and more elaborate concepts being shown off and, and taking some of the attention away from really quality products like vertically oriented TVs and um, toilet roll robots. But also you then have the likes of Sony showing off cars. You know, So we've gone from it being a tech show where the car companies are showing off tech to now it being a tech show where actual tech companies are trying to show off cars. And I just think it's, you know, let's keep these things separate, people. For, mostly because I, I don't care about cars. And obviously CES only exists to titillate me. So let's remove them, please. No, it, it doesn't. And I mean, uh, car, cars being at CES makes a lot of sense because the car industry has suffered for a very long time with technology. These these are people who obviously do not do not understand the kind of tech that is now commonplace. So, you know, when you when you got in a car ten years ago, you would be presented with a stereo that would be, eh, you know, it it wouldn't be the sort of thing you'd ever want to have in your house. Uh, and also that they're, they're, they're subject to delays in that, you know, car development starts a very long time ago and the electronics decisions t- tend to be made very early on in that for some reason. I don't know why. Um, 
But it's also very difficult, you know, designing tech for cars is not like designing a phone. It, th these are systems that have to be very carefully thought out because if you get it wrong, there is potential to actually end a life because, you know, if, if you've tied your car stereo into the the rest of the computers in the car, which I don't imagine they would do, but if you did do that, you, would, you could end up with some very real problems. Um, and so it, it sort of makes sense in a way. And CES should be about, demonstrating new technologies and and i suppose you made a good point that samsung tv actually is there is a reason for that it has been thought out very clearly it it, it does meet a need whereas this car the only need i can see it me mating and i'm looking at a photograph of it now and those scale things at the back are revolting it can makes you describe them for the purposes of audio they are um, it, it's, so. Imagine where the back window of a car would usually be. It's very similar to that, um, and they are these sort of circles uh, of varying sizes, uh, and they have articulated arms underneath them that seem to raise these scales up um, out of out of holes. Now uh, we'd probably be aware of the fear of non-concentric holes. Uh, cryptophobia or something like that, uh, which some people claim to have. It's not a really properly recognised phobia, but it is. There are certain things in nature where you look at them and you, you feel that's a bit gross. And this car, it, it, it embodies that for me uh, and unsettles me. And I, I hate it. I hate everything about it. I mean, there's a line in the BBC write-up for this story that I loved because it goes against almost everything you would normally associate with a car. It is thus, the car has no steering wheel or engine, but features movable <laughs> reptilian scales, a wooden floor, transparent doors, and an infotainment system operated by gesture. None I mean, of that sounds like anything I want to be in. Certainly not that, now. <laughs> There are there are certainly a lot of gesture based systems in cars these days, and I can that's the only bit of it that. But it already exists. It's not so much of a concept, more of something that already is a thing. The idea being that when you're driving, you don't want to be distracted by twiddling a knob, perhaps. But um, if someone calls you and your phone is paired with the Bluetooth in the car, you know, swiping it away with a hand is is a more natural gesture, perhaps, that doesn't require you pressing pressing a sort of reject button on a screen. I, you know, that is somewhat of a, a I, I guess a, there is a point to that. Um, I would again, be worried more, though, if, 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 you know, in a, in a situation like that, where there's a potential for death, if somebody, let's say, uh, releases a, a a potent and unexpected gust and and you waft your hand to try and <laughs> divert some of the odor and the miasma out of the window but the car interprets that as quickly turn left then you're not only going to have an awful smell on your hands but potentially the, the you know the, the blood and organs of a loved one which is just horrible yeah and, and, and we mentioned the sony idea but um, looking at that, it, it's much. It makes much more sense. It's it's much more of a sort of serviceable car, and I, I do think that's the difference between tech concepts and automotive concepts. In that tech concepts seem to be something that might turn up in the next couple of years. But actually, if you if you were very rich, you could put it into production now, and it would make some sense. And all of the stuff in the Sony one sort of said a lot about Sony's sort of ideas and you know there was 360 degree reality audio now when I went to CES last year that was something they were demonstrating in headphones and it was very good um, and so you can sort of see it makes sense but you know other people other companies car companies just seem to lose their minds well Sony did have the the common sense at least to put a steering wheel in its car although I have to say that the steering wheels days or perhaps years are 
numbered. So I, I wouldn't strike it on the record against Mercedes for not having one. Oh well, um, no, if, if you're going to do one, it, but but the, but the car looks more like a car that you would actually go out and buy, whereas the Mercedes yeah. one looks a bit more like a PR stunt for the next four of James Cameron's movies. Yeah. Um, uh, but Sony also didn't exactly say whether it, it had any plans to put this on sale. It is very much a prototype. It was designed to show off the firm's um, its sensors and, and, as you say, the in-car entertainment stuff. Well, and, I, and, I, and I'm glad for that because Sony has a horrible reputation of making proprietary technologies. And I would sort of fear that you know this would only run on sony branded roads or have uh, a, I, a filling think, system um, that was only compatible with sony branded uh, electricity for example well i mean you say that but that that is that is actually a problem in electric car charging you know there are there are various ways of doing electric car charging and tesla has its superchargers for example which you would not be able to use on another car so we are probably only yeah and that's fine for tesla because that's the the ecosystem is built around you you using a tesla charger for your tesla um it, it kind of works and obviously they paid for it so why the hell wouldn't they and it doesn't stop anyone else from having more traditional electric car charging points but the sony one you could literally put into production tomorrow and it would make sense and you could buy it and you could drive it and i like it and it looks like a normal car um and it has some good stuff in it um from what i can tell from the the, the very brief look over it that i've seen and also uh you know in terms of uh, automation one of the things that car companies were worried about a couple of years ago when i was at sears was what would you do when your car is driving itself therefore also you know uh, entertainment in the car becomes a much bigger problem you want to have people who you know or either productivity or entertainment so you have a, a a setup that enables you to get stuff done or enjoy yourself while you're driving around um so i can actually see the sony idea being sort of there is a reason behind it again that's a very logical point, and I think we'll we'll end the conversation on uh, on that salient bit of commentary. Uh, if you have any thoughts on this, of course, do let us know. Hello at uktechshow.com. Any views on concept cars showing off at CES, very welcome. And feel free to disagree with any of our well-researched and highly informed points. Well, it's time to check in with Tom Merritt of Daily Tech News Show, who's got a, a, well an appropriately flavoured message for us on this episode. Tom. This week on Daily Tech News Show, we cover the whole pantheon of CES, from the bliss of those 8K televisions and sleep aids to the torment of weird concept cars with eyes in the rear and, and the need for an exoskeleton to critique your exercising. All that and a load of smart home devices and smart toothbrushes and more as we cover the length and breadth of CES 2020 at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Very much enjoyed Tom's uh <laughs> description from last week's uh, CES show. I thought that was uh, extraordinarily well worded and uh, and cautious. He was uh, yes. For those of you who haven't listened to CES Heaven last week, we did also include Tom's message about uh, his experience with Japanese toilets. And yeah, I agree. He should win an award for his uh, tact and decorum in uh, discussing that. So well done, Tom, and and thank you for the promo this week. Uh, thank you in particular as well also to our patrons support us every week at patreon.com forward slash UK tech. They get ad free versions and extended versions of each week's show and also extra message, which this week we've got a great extra message going out um, a couple of days after this episode goes out where Ian and I talk about some of our adventures from CES shows in the past and really just what's involved in covering these and other shows like it 
uh, as a journalist over the years and how it's evolved and some of the mishaps that we've got in. So um, if you want to get that, that is just for patrons. You can get it now as well as, I think, certainly over 20 extra messages that we've done over the last few months. So check those out, patreon.com forward slash UK tech. Ian, it's been a pleasure as always, my friend. Yes. I will speak to you it's very good. soon, I am sure. But do you have one final word? You can have the last word on the show this week. Fran Japan. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.